Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to the voice of the millennials with myself, Yasin Kipi. The topic today is regarding the political and media landscape in South Africa, especially um, in the run up to the sixth democratic elections that will be taking place in May. Um, and I think it's important also to understand the political economy behind that. What does that exactly mean? Uh, why do people vote the way they do? Why, why are you going to vote for the ANC or the EFF or the DA or perhaps the Muslim uh, party uh, that is running um, for in the elections, uh, why will you vote for them? In order to uncover the truth behind all of these questions, you need to ask the right questions in the first place. My guest today is someone who asks the right questions, and she's of course well known um, in the political uh, journalistic uh, scene. That's Conita Hunter, who is a senior political reporter, senior by merit and not by age. And I must say that <laughs> for for a number of media houses in South Africa, including uh, EWN, uh, Eyewitness News, the Sunday Times, Mail and Guardian, and believe. Believe it or not, uh, she used to uh, work for the New Age, of course. We'll, we'll ask her about that uh, a little bit later. Her political and investigative reporting has won her many awards. She's also the author of the 2015 Diary of a Guji Girl, a fictional story of a young South African Muslim woman in her first year at university. Most recently, she's come to light in the news for coverage of President Ramaphosa and uh, some other uh, controversial meetings, of course, the Maharani meeting particularly. Assalamu uh, alaikum to you, Juanita. Shukran for joining us. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, that's uh, your big resume, really. but where did it all start? Tell us about your journey uh, in journalism. In 2011, I was, I was 17 years old. I decided I'd finished matric. I decided that I want to be, I wanted to be a journalist. And I always wanted to be a journalist. It was always something that I wanted to do. Um, other people spent their money on going to the movies. I bought newspapers and books. That was just my life. <laughs> um, and and um, I always tell the story about pink sparkly shoes. And people look at me like I'm a mad person. But I remember um, at the time um, I had this I had this pink sparkly shoes that I still wear all the time. And um, I decided to 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 pack my bags and go to Joburg and try to be a journalist. And I didn't take any other shoes besides those pink sparkly shoes because they were my favorite. And I had a bag of clothes and I had a bag of books. And that's it. And I got onto a bus. Um, and then I arrived at Johannesburg Park Station, which is quite notorious. Um, and, you know, I was sort of so sold onto my dream that I didn't realize that they cut my bag and stole my wallet, right? <laughs> so there I was in wow. Johannesburg with 200 rand. Um, uh, and then, then having to have gone and sort of literally begged at the time it was channel islam for a job um literally i i, I don't think i even had my matrix certificate yet mm-hmm. i don't think i didn't ha- i don't think i had my results out yet wow. um and um had to had to beg them for a job um because i, I wanted to be a journalist and i was like I, i'm prepared to work for free um and then since then you know i started off in, in that space where you obviously do a bit of news um and then i would you know venture in to do uh, some some reporting um and, and and what i had to do at the time was i had to sort of juggle my work what i was employed to do was you know cre- um producing shows and, and compiling bulletins etc with actual reporting so that i had mm. to do after hours yes. so that i was able to get exposure um, and I remember I would like sort of meet random people on the streets, journalists and people who are not my friends. And I'll be like, okay, teach me how to do this. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to do this. And I was fascinated by it. Um, obviously, being someone who's, who's been really um, 
involved or, or rather aware of the news and current affairs and some and and sort of believing um that that South African media or media in general has a very important uh, uh, um, role to play in a democracy, and then I um, sort of went on from there and, and you know got many other career uh, uh, possible you know um, opportunities. That's the word <laughs> opportunities. So basically, after Channel Islam, I you know my resume is not not that long. I'm not that old, but I, I you know I worked for the New Age. I did some television for. Um, and seven. I then worked for the Mail and Guardian, um, which is where the Mail and Guardian, where I really learned how to do serious political and investigative reporting, mm -hmm. uh, which was an incredible experience for me. Um, then I went on to the to the Sunday Times, but I've obviously did a lot of work um, for your Al Jazeera and, and and TRT and your your um, international broadcasters, um, which was a really really good experience. But the heart of what I do is um, I tell stories about things you don't already see on TV. Okay. Would you say that you had a specific or a certain knack for writing um, or reading? Um, because like you said, you're, you're, where you are now is based on experience. You never went through the conventional, you know, study journalism and then go... I mean, I had to study journalism. Okay. I had to do it part-time. Yeah. That, that was something I just had to do. Yeah. Um, and I graduated from Wits University. Yeah. But that was sort of a secondary thing. So when people ask me, were you always good at writing? I was never good at writing. And I don't think I'm good at writing. Okay. And that's the funny thing about my story was, and you, you know when you meet people that you're in school with, or, um, and, and they're like, but you were not a good writer. And I'm like, but it doesn't matter. If you are passionate about something, if yeah. you put in the hours, and that's the difference between people who have big dreams and people who are, who are actual doers yeah. you don't really have to be great at something you just have to keep working on it um and i and i saw that with my own life um you know and, and this is not in, in no way me trying to do a small humble brag here but i was really not good at writing yeah um and it was it was it was something that i i had to identify very early on that i am not naturally good at this therefore i have to learn and keep learning and keep getting better at it okay I think that's that's an important thing that I just want to think, yeah. yeah, I think, but also the fact that is, um, you know, in order to be a good journalist, it's not a nine-to-five job, and you can't expect it. Even if you have a natural ability to write good, isn't it? So, mm. uh, I think that, that that's an important thing uh, to 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 note. Uh, but telling stories as the lens, uh, yeah, you know, and of course that led you to write your first book as well. Tell us about yeah how that came about. So it's a weird thing, you know. People have these people have these remarkable stories about. I was so inspired. I was sitting by the ocean, and a, and a story popped into my mind that I there was absolutely no such thing in my life. I was working at the New Age at the time. Um, I was young. I was I was nineteen years old. Um, I was working at the New Age at the time. I was doing politics. Um, you know, on a very low salary, <laughs> mind you. Um, and and I had a very long commute to work in the morning. And um, one of the very uh, you know big. Th things that I did in my in initially in my career was I bought myself a little iPad mm -hmm. and so what I would do is that my long commute to work every day I would sit and I would write this story this fictional story that I uh -huh. completely made up um, and it was just a, a means of coping or just dealing with my day and so when I got to work so my brain is sort of thinking about Amina and her character and Mo and I mean it's a chiclet story about a girl and her and her and her um, experiences at university which I've never actually been to university at that time uh, but um, 
uh, or at least being full time at university but um it was it was it was something that that you know um was sort of a therapy session for me that somehow eventually was published into a book but my focus of, has always been um and 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 there was something about me was that sort of i was so steadfast on that i need to focus on my career i need to focus on journalism i need to focus on especially when you kind of you know when you start on a back foot because you know you're trying mm. to compete with people who've been around in the game for 10 years yes, yes. you 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 are you have to prove yourself to editors who hired you with no qualification i literally qualified mm-hmm. I, w- i was working for 7 years and then i got a degree yeah. uh you understand yes, yes. so 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 it was it, in that way it was it was not an easy feat for me to do mm. um um and i mean the normal challenges of life and, and, and whatever that that comes along um you know trying to make it in an industry especially at a young age um so this was sort of like an alternative for me i also didn't have a life <laughs> and and i mean a lot of people um you know would 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 sit back and be like oh you know you've done well and you've won awards and I'm, you know f- for four years of my life i slept on the floor like mm. i rented a, a place and i couldn't afford to buy a bed so i didn't buy a bed yeah. you know and and i traveled the world <laughs> you know don't, i mean don't feel sorry for me i traveled the world <laughs> but but you understand what i'm saying it's, it's those kind of for me now when i look back in a place where i finally got to a place where i'm sort of com- comfortable and it's always something that i've always was reaching to and now i need to create new goals and new aspirations for myself i look back and i say you know yes you didn't have it easy but at the same time um i think i think it's a privilege to to, to have to have had the opportunities that i've had um and and working hard has never killed anyone and I, i've survived to tell the tale uh you know there were times where i hustled two or three jobs at a time and the world didn't end the world really didn't end um and 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 the biggest the biggest thing for me was and i say this and not not many people get it but but it's something that i love by is that it's very easy to be a huge fish in a small little pond so you can be relevant making a difference in a small little room But when you try to make a difference in a bigger hole, it's harder to do. Mm-hmm. Um and that's where it matters most. It's and 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 that was always my that was always what pushed me. That, that's always what motivated me. It was not really it really wasn't about um you know getting a name for yourself. That that was all byproducts. For me what the what the most important thing was was that you can play in a space, you can swim in the ocean and not drown. So uh, you say that you've you've been through this you know experience working very hard and it doesn't kill you of course physically but uh, uh, there's a lot of emphasis these days on mental health surely there must have been real, it must have been a strain mentally uh, working so hard isn't it so you raise a really valid point right um and i mean this this sort of gets a bit too personal for uh, than where mm-hmm. i'm comfortable with but mental health is 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 a serious thing and and I was reading an article in the New York Times the other day about um burnout culture and the yes. and the and the and the, and the emphasis on hustling all the time yeah um without having a minute to rejuvenate and just to um to rejuvenate and to sort of make sure that you're doing well in other aspects of your life and there's a book by Shonda Rhimes where she says that when I'm excelling at one part of my life be rest assured that i am failing in 50 other parts of my life mm-hmm. and that was something i had to grapple with cuz 
when my career was on track, my personal life wasn't. Mm-hmm. When my personal life was so, it's this kind of extremes that you that that you sort of flirt between. Yeah. Um, and I think young professionals face this all the time, um, where it's a matter of of you really want to be good at your job and you really want to make a difference, but at the same time you really want to have a good family life or a healthy mental state, and it and it, it either become it, it becomes an either or situation, which I think we really really need to redefine how we look at success and how we look at life yes. um, in a way that that we are not killing ourselves, but at the same time we are doing more than the next person in trying to make a difference. They say it's easier said than done. Have you overcome that difficulty in, in, in balancing things yet? So 2019 is my year. Is <laughs> 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 my year to yeah. try that out. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I, I mean, like I said, for the first time in my career, in my well, more than eight years now, mm-hmm. or almost nine years, I feel like I'm at a place where, you know, I've worked hard, I've put in the effort, um, and now it's a matter of just sort of building on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but for me now, as a human being, and especially as a Muslim, the most important thing for me now is to to create that balance where where we are, when we walk in a room, we are some of our total experiences. We are not our careers, we are not our families, we are not our bank balances we're not and and and, and to, to to get that equilibrium is something that you constantly work on um especially in a career that's so demanding and so uh um volatile really um the, the political space has been a roller coaster for the last five years yes. if not longer um to the point now where you know President Ramaphosa is now the president. Things are not as hectic as it was under former President Jacob Zuma. If you just take the State of the Nation address, for example, um, it's not normal to be sort of geared up and ready for some action, long nights and drama and craziness. But that's what really w- what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for me now, it's uh, I'm in a space where I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, what's important to me? What do I want to do? How do I want to tell stories? Um, because... The medium really doesn't matter. Um, we can tell stories in different... In, and now the the time is perfectly right to tell stories through diff- many mediums at the same time. Yes. Um, and it's just about getting that right and, and, and informing people and telling people why things are happening. That, that's for me what's my biggest motivator of why I write the stories that I, that, that I do. It's not about... It's not about telling people what they can already see on television or uh, hear on radio. It's about explaining to them why that matters. Yes, that's absolutely profound because, I mean, so many people are uh, trying to sh- to decide or trying to figure out statistically why, you know, we should advertise on Facebook rather than Instagram or, you know, on, on television rather than radio, all of these different questions. But like you say, it's not the medium that's the main factor. It's 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 actually how you present it or at least, you know, the, the message behind that. Uh, and that's it's interesting because um, you are in print media, which is seen, quote-unquote, as a dying form of media. Uh, so the thing is about print media is that it is it is limping around, right? Um, and people have been pre- predicting the, the death of print about newspapers for a very long time, and it's true. People don't buy newspapers anymore as much as they used to. But the reality is that the type of journalism that exists in the print space, especially in the Sunday space, is a type that 
we need for the for democracy yeah. and it's a thing that broadcast hasn't gone to that level yet mm. we again like i said and, and and maybe i sound like a broken record but explaining the why the what let me give you an example mm-hmm. at the state of the nation address ramaphosa made two big announcements he made an announcement that there would be a new directorate in the national prosecuting authority to prosecute and investigate state capture related crimes. Yeah. He also um announced the unbundling of Eskom into three entities. Yes. So people reported on that. People said President Ramaphosa announced A B and C. Mm-hmm. Now a simple question is okay, this directorate, everyone assumed that it's going to be what the old Scorpions is. Mm-hmm. But in his state in his address he says it will be line of sections and I know this sounds you know boring and and, 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 and you know a long winding road but it'll get somewhere quick quite soon but mm. so basically Ramaphosa says okay in line with section 7 of the NPA act we're appointing this directorate and everyone screams the scorpions are back people mm. are going to be investigated yes. all you need to do is go to www. I don't know some website <laughs> and the say NPA, right? and you get to the yeah. NPA act and you say okay what is this a- what is the veracity of the a- the act then you realize okay the act is temporary I mean I mean this directorate rather yes. is t- it would be temporary it would be in line with so basically they're not going to be able to just investigate all crimes they mm. will have to investigate crimes that are specifically um, you know proclaimed by the president yeah. okay cool so now this directorate is going to be set up what do you need to do. Who's going to be funding this directorate? Mm. You then go to the justice minister. The justice minister says, "Sorry, we have no money for it." Mm-hmm. So, can you understand the? Can you understand the the depth in which, and the reason why we do our jobs? It's not a matter of. It's not a matter of breaking news. Of breaking news. Yeah. Which, I mean, it, it really has its place in society, yeah. but it's a matter of, and that that has always been my motivator. So, going backwards and understanding. Okay, cool. You said you're gonna. You're going. You said this director is going to 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 be in when is it going to come okay fine now the finance minister is saying okay he needs money from treasury he's scraping at the bottom of the barrel there's no money for this director t- to prosecute and investigate state capture which is a huge problem mm. that so many people have been implicated in serious crimes and no one has gone to jail later on got to jail there's no one on trial for state capture in the country at the moment so the interesting thing is you once you start lifting and, and, and you start probing questions, then you have the Treasury Director General saying, we can't give them money right now mm. for it. We'll have to only give them in October, which begs the question, will this directorate only be established in October? So, so this is just a sort of a long example mm-hmm. of why it's important and why when, when politicians talk, um, their their word needs to be scrutinized and mm-hmm. it's not always a true reflection of what is happening behind the scenes now the thing about language and in south africa especially english is it's not even it's not the first um, you know most commonly spoke language uh, i think it might be fourth or fifth in in, in the country um of course uh, zulu is number 1 but when politicians speak in english you know english is the language of the professional sector a lot of people interpret the, the way they speak through an english which is not their first language should we judge them by how they express themselves so strictly when they speak 
in English compared mm. to when they would speak in Zulu because um, the, one of the things about Jacob Zuma, he's oft, he was often mocked about how he used to speak slowly and how he used to count numbers, but he's a great, uh, uh, you know, auditor in, in Zulu itself. Yeah, so, so I mean, my advantage is that I, 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 I understand um, and speak Zulu very well. Um, okay, I don't well. speak, I don't speak, but I understand very well. Oh. Uh, um, but which which helped me a lot um, when you're covering politics in the you know in your sort of rural areas and and and, and KZN etc. But I hear what you're saying. Um, I think that it's fickle to judge politicians in the way that they talk. Mm. Um, and and I think in Africa that's a huge problem across the continent. I was reading a book um, by a colleague of mine, Rain Lovu, where he spoke. Where he wrote about the transition that happened in Zimbabwe. Um, mm. Robert Mugabe to Emerson Mangagwa mm. and he speaks about how Mugabe being a better orator really a much better orator than um, than Mangagwa but Mangagwa has the wit and so so the, the reality is you cannot judge politicians based on the way they talk not in South Africa really um, and and um, it's something that I think the middle class really needs to to, to, to understand and to grapple because um there was there was this meme going around, that, you know, where where a guy was sort of mocking um, the grammar of a of a of a black South African, mm. and and um, someone responds to him and says, uh, you know, can you translate something? He gave a tosa a, a, a phrase and like, can you translate this? You know, yeah. um, and so I think I think the way we judge politicians uh, need to be a lot more in substance. Yeah. And I think for a long time, people sort of there was this Ramaphoria particularly just on appearance mm, mm. not really on substance about them i yeah. mean yes there may probably be things that you know excites people about the new president mm. but but we have to take th- we have to engage further we have to take the conversation further we have to engage on policies and engage on on ideas and engage on outlooks of these politicians to so understand them beyond the rhetoric and the fancy tones and it's really yeah, insightful get, getting this, you know, for, for a deeper reasoning from from your, your, your the, the way you make decisions. Uh, and it's an important question because we have been facing so many different commissions over the years. Um, you know, the TRC itself is coming back into the uh, in, into the light of whether you know we we, we we gave up justice for the sake of peace. You know, I, I, is that valid? Um, and of course, now the the, the Zondo Commission. All of these things. Um, creates the uh, an atmosphere of decision making that we have to make with regards to media ethics itself why do we cover certain stories yeah. and of course um, you 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 covered a very interesting story last year about the maharani meeting tell us about uh, that decision making behind when it comes to these controversial topics in the south african media landscape so i mean i i covered many big stories that story was became popular mm. um, and trended a little bit because of the sort of the secrecy behind it and also because I received death threats as a result of it, mm, right? Mm. Um, at the moment, the media landscape is quite polluted and that's as a result of many things. Um, the first of which is a um, concerted effort by politicians or people in the elite or, 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 or in p- positions of power to pollute the space and so disinformation is a reality then there's the 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 real phenomenon of fake news where where disinformation lies and misinformation which are very different things um are deliberately packaged and sort of 
purported in the name of news, but it's actually false so, so fabrications. I mean, I, I mean, I understand you're saying that, but do you have any proof for saying that? Yeah, so there's a lot of studies done on mm. bots um, where the yeah. we know that there's a research on the Gupta um the gupta uh, the guptas used ben bell pottinger which is mm. was a sort of a um, public relations company yeah. to manufacture wrong information i was a victim of that myself after the maharani meeting there's a story on african news 24/7 which is a, a you know a, a fake news website really yeah. anonymous um and just a lot of, of misrepresentations and lies there's a story about me and a and my apparent very cozy relationship with the guptas mm. and my history apparently i had asked them for an editor position imagine at 19 years old i asked someone for mm. an editor mm-hmm. position <laughs> and and um and and that is why i am now vindictive against them okay. um um and so they're exposing me and i mean that it's all fabrications if you see what happens on twitter um you know when you we write stories about the eff now and that's that's a misinformation it's so bad the situation that the independent electoral commission the iec has re- is revising the electoral code of conduct that will make it a punishable offense for a political party to spread fake news. Yes. So 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 I mean this is the space that we work in. Then we also work in a space where legitimate coverage of stories are labeled fake news by politicians stemming from um Donald Trump really. Yes. Um yeah, and yeah. so it's easy now to get away with not being held accountable because you can say that's fake news I don't want to speak. And then there's also the issue of legitimate mistakes made by media um companies and Sunday Times are excluded yep. from that. Mm-hmm. Um which then um muddies the space for legitimate and serious stories that come afterwards. Yes. Um and then obviously it's a space the, the, there's the issue of of just um you know commercial interests yeah. um uh, playing in that media space so there's all of these challenges with regard to the media space at the moment and then we heard from the, like the zone commission that some journalists were being bribed and there was a whole lot of outcry about that now the reality about a democracy is that there will always be a push and pull between journalists and the people in power it has to happen we have to pull and they have to push back we have to pull and they have to push back it's the way the world works um but the most important thing that we have to be in mind at the moment is as journalists we have to be as accurate as possible and therefore when you're reporting about a secret meeting with possibly with some of the power most powerful people in the country you have to be on the money and you have to be 100% sure mm. um of of your facts and your information. Now do journalists get things wrong? Yes, we do get things wrong. It happens all the time. The reality is now the appetite for journalists to get things wrong is no longer there. We n- we can't afford it, yeah. especially with this type of level of attack um on 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 on, on journalists um coming from different quarters. At the moment, we feeling it the most from the EFF perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um but tomorrow you write a story uh, about the DA and the DA starts attacking journalists. Um and and I mean it's been a good run for Ramaphosa because you know he hasn't had what he what many would call a serious negative press. Um but that's because you know he's still finding his feet etc. I mean But well, that's him personally but the ANC definitely has in- the, including the, Salah Abrams and yes. Abrams and I mean last week. yeah and like and, and if you if you if you if you look at if you look at that Stella and Benny Abrams story right um she was given the benefit of the doubt she was she w- she was the deputy minister to Faith Mutambi yes. and Faith Mutambi as communications minister got an SABC journalist fired 
for asking her a tough political question, right? Yeah. So Stella and Benny Abrams gets appointed, everyone's excited, and then Stella and Benny Abrams goes to a rally, and then sort of literally, this SABC is her directly reports to her. She's the main shareholder as a Minister of Communications in the SABC and she physically restricts the SABC from doing their job mm -hmm. because the politician was being heckled and booed. So, I mean, we have a long way to go in this country. There are issues of, you know, the same, I mean, we can sit here and lament forever. Um, but, but I think our role, and especially I tell this to other young journalists, our role is not to be glamorous. Our role is not to be wear shiny suits and be on TV. Our role is to sit and analyze things and to inform people in a way that it makes them understand why we're telling them what we're telling them. But why do you do that then? Because we, what difference does it make to you that there's going to be a directorate in the NPA investigating state capture? In your life, in your, in you. Only in the long term, I suppose. But that's, that, that's why it's our job to explain to you that for the last eight years, there's been hundreds of cases yeah. Um, state capture and there's been no serious investigation uh -huh. and, 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 and the fact that commercial crimes for example is not being prosecuted mm -hmm. in South Africa and by commercial crimes means corruption state capture blah 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 it, it, it then breaks it down to the old lady that's sitting in Athlone to understand why her son's killers mm -hmm. were not put behind bars mm -hmm. yes you understand? So everything that happens on the top layer, this top structure, politics doesn't ha doesn't doesn't take place in a little bubble on its own. And that for me was something I had to learn very quickly, um, and I had to understand that it really isn't um, it really isn't about you know politicians and about Julius. And it's about it's about how that what happens in the top impacts all the way down. Yeah, it's it's really about the accountability mechanisms. In fact, uh, you'll be having a, a upcoming podcast looking at the criminal justice system am I right yeah so we so we so I'm working on on, on, a, on a project that basically unpacks the criminal justice system understanding why is it that when you hear the state capture commission I'm using that as a really really silly example but there's been so many violations of the law let's talk about the big things like the money laundering that's harder to prove but just the, the, the basic violation of the Poker Act, for example, that can get you five years in jail. No one has been arrested. And if they have been arrested, like Tujuzani Zuma is now out, um, the Guptas are no longer... Um, uh, uh, no longer um, in South Africa, yeah. Yeah, no, not only in South Africa, but they're not on trial anymore. Okay. So so those cases have all been bungled. And, 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 and to understand how that has an impact on an ordinary person, which is why when you report a crime, um, even if it could be a petty crime, people just are despondent and don't understand why things are not happening and people are getting arrested and so so all of these things have ripple effects the reality is when you look at politics look at political reporting a fish rots from the head and so when the top tier of our our of our, our politics is so so muddied and, and and really rotten um it filters down into the lives of ordinary people yeah. when which is why people in the free state may not be having houses or their 
foundations for their houses were built, but the rest of the money was stolen, yeah. which is why you have load shedding, which is why you understand. So yeah. all of even these even things. issues in District Six, um, you know, might relate to. to absolutely, absolutely, um, and so so it's it's a matter of just uh, it's a matter of caring and understanding um, that that there is a bigger picture and everything is actually interconnected. Mm-hmm. Now. now Looking at um, the, the the most important you know elections that will be happening this year, of course, the national elections, uh, and uh, and you covering that, um, is it possible for a journalist to you know personally align to a political party wh- while covering I- any of the news in South Africa? So I mean, we've obviously had lots of long discussions about this. I think that there's no place for a journalist to be active in politics. Um, there's no place for journalists to be active in politics. I think um, our activism um, should be, and as 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 pretentious as this may sound, should be for the people. And so, yes, you may have a political leaning as a human being. You would have a political leaning. Um, that is something that will always be there because we are human beings. And besides political bias that you come into a situation, you you have. Um, you know, middle class bias, for example, mm-hmm. or you'd have racial bias. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, all of these things. T- t- but the matter, the, the fact of the matter is that you, that the impartiality uh, um, or objectivity is the problem. So you, 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 you may, you, you, you can be a an ardent. Good is it? Good? Is Patricia Dillon's party good? Call yes, good. Yes, yeah. Call good, yeah. <laughs> you can be an ardent good supporter, yeah. or an ardent what is it? ATM supporter. <laughs> but but I mean you 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 can yeah. you can objectively tell a story about the ANC. I don't think we're in that space, and I don't think that um, I think there's too many checks and balances in place for journalists to go and punt. Uh, um, you know, f- for a political party. The bigger problem is not really about the parties, it's about individuals, about personalities. Yeah. South African media space is not too much about structures and parties as it is about um, politicians and popular people. Um, and there's been a lot of, you know, f- factionalism as it is in the political space. And so so finding yourself navigating through that in a in a, in a in a way that's impartial and objective is is can be more difficult than expected but it's absolutely important absolutely uh, and just my final question with regards to young journalists or young people who are aspiring to become journalists what do you think the future holds when it comes to the trade itself um, in terms of you know just the the, the, the stand of living for journalists there's been so much talk about um, you know journalism itself being replaced just by social media people can just put things out on social media mm-hmm. the and and so the, the trade itself or oh, what's your perspective on that so it was interesting watching uh, uh, the state of the nation which I saw you there um, where you where I saw a, s- a stunning number of young people on at at state of the nation um, people of all colors of all s- sizes and ages and for me it was really really um, uh, inspiring because when I started off and I came to my first of the nation it didn't look the way it did now uh-huh. and I think the democratization of the space is an, is, is an amazing thing um, and I think that um, as young reporters my only advice would be is that try as many things as possible try things take risks and also be as versatile as possible. You 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 cannot only be a print reporter. You have to be able to produce a podcast and 
capture sound and capture and the world is changing and don't be afraid of change um and once you realize that and once you 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 you've got gotten past that then you can then focus on the stories that you want to tell Pete, not everyone wants to tell a political story people want to tell um you know stories about how steel drums in zimbabwe are being turned into furniture and those are those are brilliant stories as well um it's it, it's a matter of being you know dedicated and original uh but more importantly being able to learn from the world around you and yeah. just and see how things are done and and how things ought to be done um and 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 i think that it's an interesting time for the, for the media it's it's a difficult time really i see it, i see it in my short little space um it's 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 difficult it's get, it's going to get more difficult um given the way pol- the trajectory that politics is taking in the world um and and now is sort of you know the most difficult time to be a journalist but also the most important time uh, and and do, do you think it's important also to you know overcome the the challenges of constantly reporting that which is negative in in the country um because uh, what people really need do you think is is hope for the future well at the same yeah, time yeah it's a grim job it's a grim job it's a grim job because you you end up you end up you know telling really really lackluster like mm. terribly depressing stories um and and for the most part um you know i'm trying to sort of figure out a way to balance it up with those you know some hip and happening type of stories as well uh, it's not always possible but um it's it's it, it can be it can be daunting and i think which is probably the reason why young people don't consume news as our parents did mm-hmm. it's because it's just too it's just too depressing um and i mean rightfully say i don't know how how we, you 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 can't not report on depressing so things do you think we need a daily show like trevinoas in america we need one yeah we, oh we do yeah. we do i think you know you know what we need to do we need to we need to 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 take the mickey out of the situation and i think once that happens then you and un- then people realize uh that you know maybe perhaps we take politics too seriously mm-hmm. um and 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 people's voices are actually what's really more important than anything else um I would love to see uh, uh, even a w- like a proper weekly yes. but a well researched. So I've been uh, uh, I don't know if you have but you've been watching um Hasan Minaj's show on yes. Netflix uh, Patriot Act. Yeah. It is brilliant. And 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 the reason why um I I thoroughly enjoy his show is for the simple fact that he's not dumbing down on information. People are not stupid. Mm. People are quite intelligent. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of how you present it and and explaining to people in a way that's re- that's relatable and it's not, you know, a person sitting on a podium or sitting behind a desk in his perfect suit in his big lang big English trying to explain to you um why things matter. It's about breaking it down and just telling a story to, uh, explaining the world in a very different way. Um that's how that's kind of where I see myself in the future. I mean not in that particular space, but in able to to do to to do what you're doing what I'm doing rather um you know in principle and just doing it in a different way. Well, absolutely. Thank you so much that's Konita Hunter, our guest of course. I'm a great privilege to interview you. Um I'm not sure if I'll be here next year for Sona. <laughs> But no, there's another Sona in June of course. There's another Sona in June, June um and that will be uh, uh the 
then president elect will he be president Manima. I'm joking, <laughs> no, just joking. <laughs> and then we'll all sing <laughs> we'll all sing to, uh, of course to Mamina by Yuma Sekela well thank you so much shukran uh, to you all the best for of course you, you in Cape Town covering the Sona debate as well uh, and then you're back to Johannesburg you, are you from Johannesburg or are you from Gauteng I currently live there. I'm yeah, but you're not from Gauteng. I'm originally. not from Gauteng, no. Okay. Are you from uh, KwaZulu Natal? I'm from all over. So I we, we did learn Zulu though. That's really Cuz I cuz I was a kid in in Durban, but I have no family in Durban. We just stayed in Durban. Okay. I have a lot of family here. I have a lot of family in Kimberley, the Northern Cape. I have family in um in a town uh, uh on the outskirts of Gauteng called Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh uh so it's always an awkward question. To answer is like where are you from? I'm like I don't know. <laughs> I lived in Durban. I now live in Johannesburg. I mean, where were you born? <laughs> I was born in this random town in the KZN Midlands, okay. like called Ladysmith. I've never actually been there uh, back there after I was born there, but <laughs> that's okay. basically the story of my life. <laughs> Shukran so much to you. All the best in the future. Shukran.